Hello, Kevin. Awesome. You guys are nerds. Damn right. Oh, Kevin, you're so witty. I would stab someone in the face. Oh, that's gross. I'm cutting this, by the way. <laughs> Bad Philosophy, episode 122, recorded on May 31st, 2012. Disruption! to Bad Philosophy, episode 122. Uh, we're back and uh, we're doing sort of, you know, this this, remind, this experience reminds me a little bit of uh, episode zero, you know, where yeah. we're kind of out and about and, uh, and just sort of doing philosophy out in the open and doing the show out in the open. Uh, Kevin and I are here at, uh, at Franklin Barbecue, which uh, if, you, if you follow either of us on Facebook or Twitter, you know that we are... Well, I particular in particular am a fan of this. This is actually your first yeah, time here, right, Kevin? Before, yeah. Yeah. Um, it is arguably the best barbecue in Texas, and actually, I think officially it's, it was put on the cover of Texas Monthly. Uh, bon Appetit magazine bon called it the magazine. best barbecue in America. In America. Um, oh, I guess I was looking that up last night. The last time I was here this. with uh, with Brian Mitchell and um, and Alan Arduin. Um, Anthony Bourdain was actually here uh, recording a show really? for for uh, yeah. yeah for he's ending his show by his, the way uh, really? no reservations yeah no reservations uh, really well yes sort of so this is like um, the last season or is he off to do something else well he's he's going to end no reservations and he's just been hired by CNN to do a show where he travels around the world looking at food <laughs> which is being what? produced by the same producers who so are making no reservations. He's basically just switching networks. Yeah, it'll have a different name. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> but basically just switching networks. Yeah. Uh, but it was cool. I mean, Anthony Bourdain's um, show on CNN. It was it was a neat experience. Like he, um, what what happens here is uh, if you're unfamiliar with the place, is the barbecue is so good that folks will line up beforehand, and we're here an hour and a half before the place opens. Uh, some people have been here two hours, some in some cases two and a half hours before it opens. And it will often, uh, at least in the early days, it would sell out before the place actually opened. <laughs> but uh, So you had to be in yeah. line in order to actually eat at all. Uh, the payoff is incredible, the, the uh, mastery of the, of the barbecuing process and the, the smoking process is just beyond words for me and beyond comprehension and what he does but anyways <laughs> so we're here for that we're, we're, we're here for that I'm, 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 I haven't had breakfast so my mind is going yeah, I treated much McDonald's first yeah see uh, it's not going to be quite the same for you then but whatever you'll, you'll enjoy it you'll still enjoy it so, uh, ostensibly, we're here to talk about philosophy, I guess. I'm, I'm wearing the t-shirt, yeah. so we, uh, we debated a couple of possible topics before. Oh, <laughs> apologies in advance for the, uh, the background noise. Uh, we are next to a road. <laughs> um, outside of a restaurant. Yeah, and outside of a restaurant, outside, period. Kevin is recording on his, uh, his droid Incredible. 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 Yeah, which, which is now which is not so incredible it anymore. So let's, I kind of want to <laughs> rabbit trail on that real quick. There, there's there's kind of a finite lifespan to these product names for the droids, I find. You know, things like Hero and, uh, you know, Incredible and Bionic. And, there's one know, called the Bionic? There's one called the Bionic. Yeah. I mean, it, it's they seem very, um, I don't maybe superficial maybe isn't the right word, but just, just very, like, flashy. You know, flashy, consumerist I, I think names. of them like car names. I mean, that's how I think of them. Okay, okay. You know, you have the the Xterra or Focus. the Intrepid. Yeah. I mean, these are names that don't mean anything. They're just adjectives. Um, yeah. Sometimes or not, the Impala is a type of animal that lives in the desert. So it's, but but the idea behind these names is is that they sort of, it's, it's well done. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Can, can we keep <laughs> that or take a picture of it or something? <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I've got a couple of bucks. I have no cash. But Dude, I have, I have cash. we got to give him something. That is awesome. Uh, I'm Kevin. This is Steven. Yeah. Well, nice to meet you. Uh, no, First time no. for me, not for him. So. Yeah, I've been here. Yeah. Cool. 
Thanks cool. for drawing that, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> we gotta put that on the website. Definitely. Cool. Well, for, for those of you listening, this is what just happened. Um, a, a gentleman who was just Randall, here, apparently, his name. yeah, um, just drew a sketch of us here in line. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm of course wearing the Bad Philosophy T-shirt, so it's got that on the, uh, it's got that on the back of, of my shirt, and we're both holding up our smartphones. Kevin, looks I very got, Kevin. even got the headphones. Like, <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. That's probably one of the coolest things anyone has inadvertently done for us. As if it was inadvertent. Well, it, I guess he intentionally did. Inadvertent fan. Yeah. Cool. Well, this is definitely going up on the website then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. Let me uh, let me put this back yeah. in my bag. But um, anyways, what were, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, pretentious pretentious yeah. names of smartphones. Yeah. Well yeah, you know, and just product names in general, I think can you can go a few directions. You know, one one is you sort of try to you say explicitly what the what the product is, but it's more fun to. Really good way. Right. Be creative. Like oh, yeah. I'm just. I'm thinking. I just want to go this direction now. <laughs> that that actually is way better than a lot of homeless. Like I need to get money some way type of ways. Like you're creating something. You're just you. You're making it relevant to the person. And I feel like you know. Cool. You didn't have to do that. But you know. I. I it's maybe not something that if somebody had said, hey. Give me five dollars and I'll sketch you. Like I would have mm-hmm. done that, but it's like here I already did this. Look, well, it almost goes back to you know we talked about um, briefly a few episodes ago. You know, gift economy. Yeah, gift economy. That's. I mean, that's that's, that's a what great that is. example. He did something because he did. You know, I he, really hope more people go that direction. That's. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, anyways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I, I I get the idea that it, at some level. Some you know product designer or some marketing person goes, all right, we need to sell this. What sort of what sort of associations do we want to make with our product? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, our product, and they, they get the whiteboard out or they get the they get the you know big sheet of paper out with the marker. Oh, yeah, you know, like, yeah, they've got you know a bunch of guys sitting like around. Marketing. It. I mean, that's like, what it is. I mean, really, like the times in college when we're just like, let's talk about you know. Leadership and like, what yeah. words what do you associate with leadership? Yeah. You know, and, and you write down a bunch of words and everything, and then you try to come up with some phrase that encompasses mm-hmm. it all and everything. And it's, you know, it's this this definition process of a sort. But I, I feel like they just threw a bunch of adjectives up on a wall and went that one, you know, or like threw a dartboard at a at a, at a dictionary or something, or yeah. threw a dart at a dictionary. And, so and I'm, it's so, I'm just I'm watching all the cars that drive by and looking at their names. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just, so what, what have you, you know, what's uh, so watching Tahoe Focus. Um, I don't know what Tahoe means. Tahoe. Just a, it's, I think it's, a lot of these words like have meaning that we don't know. You know, it's, yeah. it's so so it's it's an association with like adventure mm-hmm. and um, outdoorsmanship and, and like versa. something. Yeah, versa. A lot like, of these sounds made up, but they like they are, but they're like pieces of other words. Well, a lot of so times you think they're not of, though. There, I mean, there are like there, a lot of times I don't I don't know versa, but there versatile. are words that sound made up. What's the definition of versatile? Well, it's it's actually not V E R. It's V I R S A is the versa. Really? Uh, according to the one I just looked at. Really? Maybe I was. Pretty sure it's V E R S A. Maybe I can't read. Yeah. Um, See, like, we, we want to pretend we don't really pay attention to brands, but we do. Oh, we're surrounded by them. Yeah. Um, all the time. I mean, I, I love, we're, I'm looking over here at a sign for Big Red, right? So it's. It's red. It's a red soda. And then the big is sort of a, you know, I don't know, it implies grandeur, it implies importance, Mm -hmm. it implies, you know, all these other things associated with the... uh, all these sorts of ideas that you want to associate with your brand. Yeah. Um, uh Uh-oh. Someone's honking. I think it was a car alarm, actually. Probably. That, right, that, yeah, that was that really metric. Probably I went bleep when it was done. They yeah. said, oh, I hit it, and I hit the button, and it's ended. Yeah. That's my guess, anyway. Okay. So the and, and 
I mean, advertising fascinates me, and, and I, I, I don't know if you've, you've been watching Mad Men, right? I'm way behind. I'm like way, the uh, beginnings of season, or about half of season two. You so. still get a little bit of it in, in oh, season yeah. one and yeah. two. You know, the, this idea, the discussions that they have mm -hmm. are, are very much this, this type of thing. It's like latching on to a concept, fleshing out the different associated words with the concept, and trying to build an idea around something. Yeah. You know, in some sort of a it's some sort of a formative process, right? Yeah. Like you're trying to you're trying to glom on all of these positive words to your product mm -hmm. and positive mm -hmm. associations, right? Or you're trying to you're trying to associate a product with a certain lifestyle or with a certain need or with a certain type of person and such and such and so forth. But I don't, I don't know, it, it, it seems to be like the awareness of this process does not change the effectiveness of the process itself, right? No. Like the, and, and that's, I guess, what makes it so fundamentally interesting <laughs> to me is, is, you know, we can, we can be aware of the way we think and still uh -huh. think that way. Yeah. <laughs> I bought the Incredible. I mean, I bought a Droid Incredible. You bought a Droid Incredible. But actually, you... it's not a Droid Incredible. It's the HTC Incredible. HTC Incredible. Anyway, it's funny. This is, oh, this is so, a thing. Okay. All right. Droid, Droid is... is a specific phone mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by Motorola. But it's almost... But because Android is the operating system at its core, people have, have associated, oh, well, you know, Droid is just a short form of Android. It, 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 because it is in other senses. Yes. Because it, it was originally a, a shortening of the word Android. Uh -huh. You know, an Android. And is trademarked by George Lucas. Is trademarked by George Lucas. But, um, but just funny if you see the Droid itself is yeah. not. It's like blog. You know, yeah. it's yeah. it's a it's a subset of a word that has an etymology. Mm -hmm. Android mm -hmm. is human-like, kind of like you know, spheroid is sphere-like. So it's. Yeah. But, you know, the droid phone is in no way like a human at all. No. You know, it's well, a piece of... the Android operating system. Right, right. <laughs> but, well, I mean, you got the little, the, the guy, the, the little green, the yeah, little green he, android. I don't, I don't consider him an android. I he's consider got him two a, eyes and two arms and two legs and... Yeah, he's a little I don't monster, think he's. I, a, I don't think he's computer based. I always. But I he's, him like he a is. He is mascot. an android. He has human-like features. Sure. But what's happened is that the specific branding of Android, mm -hmm. Droid, the Motorola Droid. Which was the one of the first big Android phones. Mm -hmm. And very heavily pushed in, in advertisements, yeah. you know, that those were Android. still, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a, it was a strong brand form. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is, is sort of a, a, I think we're getting another example of like the Kleenex or the Xerox, where a brand becomes genericized, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and eventually, it will be small D droid rather than capital droid. Which just to refer to all. About. <laughs> oh, not at all, because <laughs> it, in a way, I mean, it's it's an initial strengthening of the brand. It yeah. means that you you know you folks recognize what you what you're uh -huh. putting forth there, but at the same time, yeah, it, it genericizes it, so you can have oh well, yeah, this HTC Incredible is also a droid, but then you know this droid Bionic is also a droid. And there's not there's not the strength there mm -hmm. anymore. It's just well, it's droids, not tied to to which the inevitably leads to what like uh, they would they will have to eventually redo the branding, right? To, um, to make better, I mean, they can find it. They can find it um, and and keep it clean. Mm -hmm. They can't they can't adjust the public. Right. But they can definitely and, and probably are fighting anybody who calls their phone a just phone. Mm -hmm. if they, I, and I suspect if you look at all the marketing, you'd always say Android. Yes. Um, for any phone, any it's service. Powered by, powered by Google or powered by yeah. Android or something um, like that. Yeah. Be, because that's that's where the legal distinction comes mm -hmm. in. What, like... And, and that's why, you know, they... Adobe tried to get people to stop saying something was photoshopped. Oh yeah, yeah. If you remember. just to refer to edited in general, or like edited yeah, with to, to say in a photo yeah. was edited through photo through a photoshopping like right. program, um, and they they were really trying to get to push you know push something like you know edited using yeah edited X. using yeah but um, but that's the thing is is these these sorts of um, genericizations. Mm -hmm just come about naturally 
and and almost as a result of, of too strong a branding, right? Yeah. So it, it's I wonder. I mean, what do you think leads to that in in way in some way? Like, um, is it just over advertising? Is it just making something that's too good and that it's sometimes being the first one or uh, being the first? Yeah. I mean, Xerox was the first machine that could copy paper and print it. Yeah. You know, so. So they. And it was really kind of the only one that was around for a while. Yeah, or at least so. the only one that anybody knows about. Right. Um, and so that certainly has an effect. The PC. There's another good example. The personal computer. Mm -hmm. The IBM personal computer was one type of home computer. Actually, the branding for a while, the generic name was home computer. So there was the Texas Instruments home computer. There was the Atari home computer system. I didn't know this. There was, yeah, I mean, there was, uh, you know, there was, the idea was the personal computer, the PC, mm -hmm. was not a brand or was not a, was not an idea until the IBM PC. There were, what they would call is, um, there were, uh, Minis and micros were, were kind of the distinctions. So minis would be like uh, not a not a as opposed to a mainframe. So you yeah. have like mainframes, minis, and micros. Minis were uh, a desk-sized computer. You know, maybe something that fit under under mm -hmm. a work desk. You know, 1960s these started. 60, late sure. 60s, 70s became more common. But micros were traditionally underpowered. Those were like very small systems. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Sinclair uh, portables uh, were were considered micros, I think. Or uh, the Micro PDP 11 was was another one that was like a desk side um, computer, I think, in the late 70s, early 80s. So so these were, but but those were the those were the generic names. Were like minis and micros. Mm -hmm. The PC, the personal computer idea did not come about until the IBM PC, and it was such a strong brand. They sold it so aggressively because IBM had that power behind Cache, them. Yeah. yeah, they had, well, they had the clout, they had the brand mm -hmm. recognition, everything. Um, the PC and the, uh, well, the PC Junior was when they, was when they abbreviated it. They didn't call it the IBM Personal Computer Junior. They, they called the it the IBM PC Junior. And so people started, I, I don't know where the, the actual abbreviation yeah, began, yeah. but it was post-1983 mm -hmm. when when the actual IBM personal computer was really car. street hockey. I know, right? It's like, wait, wait. Driving by, driving by. You know, we used to play street hockey at a friend of mine's mm -hmm. street, you know, because that's what, how you play street hockey. Yeah. And we had, you know, four cones. And so when a car came, everybody had a cone. They had to go knock out of the street because the cones were our goals. Uh -huh. so it was car. We all go turn the cone off into the, you know, off to the sides. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's there's a good example then. And so, IBM's PC brand then. Got very genericized because you mm -hmm. had piece, you had PC well, compatible. Now it is like because anybody oh, yeah. can use as we saw with Mac using I'm a Mac, I'm a PC. Mm -hmm. You know that that was well, maybe that was that was one of the reasons why Steve killed the clones is he's he saw that potential for like a Mac being a generic platform in the same way as PC, right? So maybe in the same way that, that you had personal computer compatibles or PC compatible systems coming out in the, mm -hmm. the mid 80s and, and later, um, systems that use the same sorts of architecture and chipsets and could run the same code, that I think reinforced the, um, the genericization of, of that term, of, that, of the brand, into yeah. it just being a general term for a computer, yeah, you know, um, and, and really, it's a term for anything. Well, specifically, specifically an x86 based computer. I don't know what that means. Um, x86 <laughs> is a is a particular chipset um, processor architecture. Okay. Um, the IBM PC was, I think, one of the first ones to to use it. Um, it was the eight. The 8088, I think, was in the yeah, was in the first first PC. It was like an eight eight or sixteen megahertz processor. Really, really slow by our standards now. But it was it was uh, affordable. It was mass producible. It was an architecture that ran a standard set of code, and that that architecture got iterated and iterated and iterated more, so that the same programs could be backwards compatible. And that was, it was basically um, opposed to the, you know, the TI uh, processor, you know, you couldn't run TI code on a PC, as opposed to the Atari, and, hmm. and opposed to the, um, what were some other ones, uh, DEC, DEC had their own, uh, their own systems as well. Yeah. 
so it's sort of standardized things, huh. and it, it was sort of a, a way of, of bringing together previously disparate groups into a single identity. And so I, I wonder, like as humans, if we if we value that sort of standardization and sim simplification of brands, and that's where kind of generization comes into play. I wouldn't say value necessarily. Well, maybe not value. Is it kind of a subconscious I would, tendency? I would more, say or? it becomes easier. Mm -hmm. Well, because we, you know, it's that choice bias, right? Like, have you seen some TED talks about that? No. Um, a lot of surveys sort of reinforce this idea that if you give people too much choice, mm -hmm. you know, if you, you, the the example that was given uh, in the TED talk was there's this shop in San Francisco uh -huh. that sells the world's hugest variety of jams and jellies. <laughs> like, you can get any type of, of jam, preserved jelly, whatever you want. Like there's, they have like three, four hundred different kinds, right? And it's it's like a destination, you know? People come just to go, wow, look at how many jellies there are. And and they don't buy a lot because there's just so much, you know? What, how, do you, how do you choose one thing out of three or four hundred different varieties, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why supermarkets then have like three or four different, maybe five varieties of jelly. You know? Apricot, strawberry, blueberry, raspberry. They have, you know, just grape. Grape, you know, usually, you know, like, yeah, you know, a few, like five, seven at the most, right? Because if you put too much choice in someone's head, it, there's this, there's a sort of lockdown that happens psychologically, apparently, that you, you just, you just don't want to make a decision because you don't want to actualize one thing. You want to keep all the possibilities there. Um, so, for instance, in um, in product in product variations it's better to have rather than one choice or seven choices or ten choices to have three variations on something you have a really cheap version you have a, a middle version and then you have a really expensive like high-end version now the thing is you may start out with one product you may intend to just sell that middle version as your product but you you're, it's in your favor to create the lower end and the higher end versions to offer the illusion of choice in comparison. Hmm. Okay? So That's someone looks at it and goes, well, I don't want to be considered a cheap person, or the cheapest one is probably not the best, but I also don't want to spend too much on this product, so I'm going to go with the middle one. And this sort of, think about it, like, yeah. th think about products that do this, you know? Well, what comes to my mind, and, and I'm glad you did this for a long time, is gas. Yes. Three choices. I, I got three buttons I can choose from. Uh, well, in gas, though. A, B, or C. <laughs> well, and the thing is, for you, a lot of cars, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You usually just get the There are one. cars where it does. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my, my old Maxim actually said in the um, owner's manual, you know, you need to use at least this much octane. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that I always did because it was not the cheapest one. Yeah. But um, I mean, in my first car, I always picked the middle one. This is when gas prices were less of an issue than they are now. Right. I, I would go for the middle one usually for a few cents more per gallon, and a few cents more per gallon isn't a huge difference. And I no, it's it's not. But it, you know, that's the perceived thing. It has yeah. to, it has to be just enough. That, you know, mm -hmm. not too much more. Yeah. Not too much more, so that you don't. You don't feel like you're you're overindulging in some way, right? Um, same with like menu items at a restaurant. You know, you you have sort of your your basic items, and then you you put you sort of price out the ones that you want to sell the most in the middle, mm -hmm. so that that folks have these sorts of comparisons, and they feel like well, I'm getting a value by getting this thing that's in the middle. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm not spending too much on it, but it's higher quality <laughs> than the, the lesser stuff. So, you know, bad genericization, I think, is is it's those middle things that often become the genericized, uh, the genericized yeah, product. And maybe that. that's that's an overgeneralization. Yeah. I can kind of see what you're no saying. Intended, but yeah, because you had with, with the PC, there were there were certainly options above and below it. Mm -hmm. You know, you could the the PC was a little bit more expensive than uh, like a TI home home system, or or a, I think it, it was. It was a little bit more expensive than the, uh, God, there's one brand, Amiga, than the Amiga, uh, the Commodore Amiga, right? Okay. Actually, Commodore uh, made 
a pretty much a, a you know what we would consider a modern PC tower post PC. Hmm. So what, what sort of happened is the popularity of that brand forced the existing brands to gravitate in a certain direction, design-wise and feature-wise, because that was what consumers wanted. Mm -hmm. But consumers didn't want it until it existed, and was it was it's this weird well, differential I mean, self-reinforcing uh, process. Yes, and I mean you also have to look at the. I think the market for a home computer in 1986 mm. was a very different market than what you have today. Definitely. And um, I think, I and just in terms of who's buying a computer, you know, my next door neighbor didn't buy a computer until their daughter was in like high school. And yeah. She's, I think my sister's age. May not have been quite that late, but it was it was a much later than I've, I've had a computer in my house as long as I can remember. Yeah. But then my mother was a computer programmer. That's what mm -hmm. she did. Um, so I mean, yeah, of course she had a computer. Well, my family as well. And I mean, um, I think because my my dad was uh, in the chip design industry, yeah. so he, you know, he wanted that, mm -hmm. he wanted that feel at home as well as, yeah. as, yeah. as well as at work. So, um, and so, so we used we used different computers at, at home that were, you know, we had a we had a 286 was our first system. Um, I don't, so I don't remember what all the stuff was. Area. I mean, I, um, I remember. The, the first computer I remember that we had that was a big deal mm -hmm. had an eight gigabyte hard drive. Yeah, yeah. That was, and so that was I think, later in it. Cause I remember getting that and that being our new computer. Um, God, what was? I think. Which was massive. Our first system had probably a 40 or 80 megabyte hard yeah. drive. You know, just just big enough for yeah. DOS and a few games. Well, my mom and used to um, tell the story. I'm sure she still does. It's that I always really liked. Um, when she was in school, she graduated high school in '76. Uh, okay. Um, I don't know if I should have said that because I'm giving her her age. But, oh. um, sorry, mom. We're <laughs> um, gonna uh, see a comment exactly, on the Facebook page I now. I don't. Yeah. I mean, we all know my mom's cool, so yeah. it's it's all right. <laughs> um, but so that's that's when she went into college and, and started right. programming computer programming. Right. Um, and she went on a tour of some of a company once, and as part of the tour was you know speaking to people doing things, they would show you the computer room. Mm. They would take you to the room with the computer. Yes. Um, which was you know this massive room size thing. Totally. Um, and she her professor, you know talked about, you know, how one day they're not going to be able to show this to you anymore, because it'll all fit in the closet, we won't ever see it again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it's not that he was wrong, but it's 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 scary how how far beyond it that has gone. Oh, sure. But in it, terms of in a weird way, can handle. It, it's, it's sort of shifted to a new direction. I think, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before, if I just expressed it to you, but the, the kind of, the consensus is that mobile is the next frontier, right? So that we've, we've consolidated Desktops and portables have gone about as far as they can. Yeah. Um, as far as usefulness, just general utility. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that I agree with that. Um, well, because I, I still see. I don't see them going away. No, no, no. But hey. Oh, so we uh, we're deciding now what what to get just so that they make sure they have enough. That's what I figured. Best thing to start out with, just a half pound of fatty. Uh, yeah. Okay. Best cool. thing to do. So. Hey, so he's probably going to have a, a half pound of uh, brisket, half okay. pound of fatty, and um, I'm going to do a tipsy Texan. All right, great. Thank you. Thanks. We're talking about you said mobile is the next frontier. Yes. So, so think about it this way: like these really are computer stuff. You know, and when, when I was looking at this in my parents' house the other day, and. Um, Doing of all things, setting up AirPrint to get mm -hmm. their to get their computers to uh, to share their, their PCs, to share their printer that was connected to them, so that mom's iPad and my phone uh -huh. could print to it. Sure. Um, it really in that moment I was and I was thinking about the technologies involved and and the processes that I was going through and it's just like no these are just this is just a tiny. This is like take this thing that's a foot wide or a foot and a half uh -huh. wide or whatever, and just make it five times smaller. You know, mm -hmm. That's what I'm holding right here. Is yeah. this miniaturized computer system? Mm -hmm. You know, and all the elements are there: wireless radio, uh, wi you know, Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. Bluetooth, uh, you know, input output, 
all of it is just is just miniaturized into a small form. So mobile devices are just still computers, yeah. but they're the next miniaturization step. Well, yeah, no, I know. I believe that. Mm -hmm. The issue that I I think, and you're starting to sort of see this come into play, I think, mm -hmm. particularly with mobile devices, mm -hmm. is. Um, the limitation of the human body, and, and by saying that yeah. I mean, you know, there of all things, when I reference Zoolander, which I hate that film. Oh god! But, when, but they had the it's tiny little cell phones. The oh, they had the tiny little cell phones that you know. Oh, a different Zoolander reference. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't yeah. make Zoolander references. I don't know what the right ones right, to make right, are. Right, right, right. But they had these little bitty tiny cell phones. Yeah. Um, because tiny is in or whatever. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, but, well, and to be honest, that was that was what the trend was. This was pre-iPhone. Yeah. And yeah. and phones were just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. The original mm -hmm. Razor was a flip phone. Yeah, that was incredibly thin, and and it was awesome. I mean, for that, I mean, for for that, for being able to do that size. Sure, that was a good sure. phone. Yeah, you could break it in half with a toothpick. But, right. Um, <laughs> oh God, the number of razors I saw come in with, with just a broken, oh, broken yeah. I mean, that, hinge. Was it's all of them. But I mean, that was that was where phones were going, mm -hmm. um, and particularly with the interface, with the touch interface, um, and you know, with the screen becoming so important, mm -hmm. that I think we've hit the smallest we're going to get. Yeah. Well, and we have bounced back. When I mean, you've, you've seen the, oh, I think yeah. the Galaxy Note. I think larger I mean, screens and such. But, uh, I, but I think that's that's a temporary trend. Like, we, we sort of consolidated around this three to five inch diagonal mm -hmm. area. That's, you know, what can fit in your pocket. Uh -huh. you know, that's, that's like the... Or seven inches if you have pants like I do. Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Kindle Fire is in a different class. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it fits in my pocket. It's seven inch screen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We also have big pockets. Let's let's talk for a moment about just the you know, let's imagine a future with the Google Glasses, right? I don't think mm -hmm. we've we've talked a lot about just how fundamentally no, that but can see, change. That's, that's I think well, have you seen the picture? Oh yeah. I love this picture. If, and you can look it up on the internet, but it's mm -hmm. a, it's it's a fantastic. It's a dad swinging his kids around kid, kid around by the arms. Uh-huh. Oh, maybe I haven't seen this. Oh, you haven't seen this? No. It's a fantastic picture. Okay. Um, you and you're looking at it and you realize it's from the perspective of the father. Oh. And he's holding both hands of his child as they are swinging around. Hmm. And at first you sort of see that and you go, oh, that's kind of a cool picture. And then and you then you're realize... Like, that you're inside his head. You're seeing the world that, from his and, direction. And not and just that he's holding the camera up to his face. He's not using his hands. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. holding his child with both hands. This was a picture that is impossible to take. Well... The way that the Google Glasses work right now, though, is you press a button on it with a hand to take well, no, a photo. No, no, this is this was a photo taken by Google Glasses using so maybe, a voice picture. Ah, so they, they have a, a prompt yeah, well, where you can say, you know, glasses, take a picture. picture. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's. I mean, you talk about and these and heads-up displays have been around forever. Sure. In, in theory. But really useful heads-up. I mean, this. But that's the thing is and that, and this is where it's just really getting strange. Is like all this stuff that that was previously sci-fi is starting to. We're starting to see the actual. Oh, yeah. The actualizations mm -hmm. of it, and it's like what? But it's different from. Anything, well, it's not what we expected, but yeah, it's, it's a lot like it. <laughs> it's a lot like it. Well, but we're really starting to now have to deal with the, the social implications of that. Yeah. You know, once. What, what do you think? What do you think the biggest pushback from people will be? You know, just the idea that that you could be recorded at any moment, or that. I mean, that's, the information that sort of that exists already. Because everybody, you know, well, in but line explicitly, here has, like, yeah. but I, I pull out my phone, I point it in a direction. Mm -hmm. It takes me a few seconds to do something, yeah. you know, and it's very, it's no, you I can think, recognize I think the deliberate increase, action yeah. of, of the recording process. That yeah. will, oh right, exactly. <laughs> so, so that that I, we have somebody taking a picture of us is what's happening. Well, so, uh, us as the did, crowd, not yeah. just us individually. Which is which always happens at Frank's. By the way, people are like, oh my God, look at the line. You know, that that just happens. Mm -hmm. But after a few times that you're here, it's sort of like, eh, whatever. Do you want to sit down or do you... Do you... No, I'm okay right now. Okay. I mean, I said, do you need to sit? Um, well, I'm about to be in the sun here, oh, so okay, I'll so. switch places with you here. Because so. you, have, if if you have, have a hat. Further, yeah, I do have a hat. <laughs> yeah. But if I go any further, I'm so, peeking into the sun. I, I envision, like... And this is this is something that they've talked about on, on Twitch just a little bit, but, uh -huh. um, you know, imagine you're... Think of it as a way of augmenting... Uh, human interaction with additional information. You know, we can 
Everybody's bad with names. We know this. Yes. She's universally, like, everybody says, oh, I'm well, really bad with names. There, there are people okay. who are good. There are a few, but most people are bad with names. Yeah. You know, wh yeah. whatever that means, right? You yeah. don't, for some reason, we don't immediately associate a name with a person. Uh -huh. Or, you know, we, we tend to forget little tidbits of information. We, some people are good at it. Not everyone and is. And it's a skill that sometimes has to be trained. Right. One of the things that these heads-up displays could do are, you know, glasses. Maybe, what do you think the genericization will be of just a PG glasses? I'm pushing for HUD. HUD? Um, like, I'm going to put on my HUD today? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, I, I, and that's... Or just glasses, like... Glasses is... Eyeglasses. Is right. Eyeglasses, that's... <laughs> Clever, no, I know. Right? It's, you know. it's clever. It might be too clever. It's, I think it's too clever for, for <laughs> um, us to go that way. But you know, eyes. And 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 it's my old gamer showing that's that is pushing for HUD because that's how I think of them already. Yeah. Um, because I've been I've I've lived with them in video games forever. Sure. I mean, Doom. Mm -hmm. one of my first video game. Oh yeah. Had a heads up display. <laughs> Man, I cannot wait till we. I mean, think uh, think of. I, I I guess I'm thinking of like. And I think the first things we will do is sort of implement those sci-fi conceptualizations mm -hmm. in these in the Google Glasses. You know, we're doing we're doing the things that we've always imagined we would do first, yeah. but we're not really discovering new uses for this technology. But that's one of them. Mm -hmm. That's that one you brought up about like both hands free <laughs> while you're taking a picture uh -huh. is a fundamental social shift. You know, in in what you're capable of doing, mm -hmm. and that's not something that you can really have anticipated necessarily before you yeah. actually get to that point. Yeah, well, um, and, and it's the integration of, um, because the, the a lot of the technological changes we're seeing coming down the line or that, that we've had, the mm -hmm. iPad or tablet PCs in general, mm -hmm. um, were expected. But what wasn't expected, at least in most of the, the media I've seen, the sci-fi I've seen, mm -hmm. was the what we've called decided to call social networking. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not to this point, but I'm, I'm making my way through uh, space 9 right now for the first time. Oh, and I, yeah. happen, I happen to know that um, later through, you might have I spoil a little thing for you. Do you Deep Space Nine? Deep Space Nine? Have oh, you I've seen, seen all of these. Okay, so you've seen all of Oh, so yeah. Never yeah, mind yeah. then. Never yeah. mind then. I'm not no, spoiling anything me. for you. I, I mean, it's been a while. Uh, well, it, so. um, Jake um, Cisco becomes yeah. a reporter for the Dominion, Dominion World. Yeah. Because he's, he's deep embroiled in it and he's, he's saying it's something important. We have to get these stories out. And yeah. I agree with him. Yeah. And, and that's true. But today, if the Dominion War were to happen, Everybody's a reporter. Yeah. No, it would be completely distributed. Among, I mean, um, th that's the thing is, um, which you, you still haven't still read the Void trilogy, have you? No. Oh, uh, you really need yeah, to. I um, know. But um, which is not to say that we don't have a need for, for quality reporting out there, because mm -hmm. we still do. But that, that frontline sort of, you know, in the moment sort of change was not something that was anticipated even when Deep Space Nine was out, you know, 15 years ago. Right. Um, or less. I mean, say it started in what, 95? Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. Mid 90s, oh. mid late 90s. Yeah. Know, early to mid 90s. Sure. I think it was a few years into Next Generation. Um, it was so four, early 90s. four or five years into Next yeah. Generation. Yeah. Because it, it overlapped. Next Generation ended and Voyager began. Right. And DS9 was concurrent with both. <laughs> yeah, DS9 overlapped both. Yeah. Well, what it made me think of in this, this, you know, the social networking aspect mm -hmm. of the always-on technology is you end up catching things that you don't intend to, sure. right? So if everyone is always is always recording mm -hmm. all the time, everything. Mm -hmm. If an accident happens, right, mm -hmm. or if uh, you know some momentous event starts happening, right, yeah. you have instantly eyes on all of that and it's mm -hmm. not that people have to pull out their smartphones and record a video and post it to YouTube later which is what's been happening in kind of the revolutionary spheres and such is, is it's just it's there and you can press a button and be just tied into yeah. Yeah. the view so imagine going into um, you know a crisis event or something or mm -hmm. maybe a sporting event of some kind right and instead of it being like broadcasters uh, broadcasters choosing what view to show you that's mm -hmm. just one channel that you have on it and they're already starting to do this with just having like many multiple cameras and mm -hmm. like the oscars mm -hmm. like choose your camera angle or whatever but when it truly gets interesting the oscars? they did do that on the web on the yeah. app and such like you could choose a camera on like the red carpet or this person doing interviews yeah, okay. or backstage whatever. Okay. so it's like choose your own experience of this, yeah, of this sure. event 
but it's still in a very crude, kind of primitive, prototypical uh, form right now. When it really gets interesting is when everybody's perspective is available. Yeah. So, and it, it probably has to start as opt-in, but I would really prefer it to be opt-out eventually we're just we're we're a distributed network of perception See, so that at any moment I'd still prefer it to be opt-in <laughs> opt-in is always better than opt-out probably opt -out. but but you have <laughs> just like social networking i think you'll eventually get to the point where opting in is beneficial to you in some way. Sure. For instance, like if you want to be able to see from somebody else's eyes, you have to share your eyes. I think this is actually the term that it'll consolidate around just eyes. eyes. I put on my eyes today. Yeah. You know, like because in, in yeah, a sense it's it's you're you're putting a layer in front of your eyes that can both record mm -hmm. and display. Right? So you can both share what you're seeing mm -hmm. as well as see what somebody else is sharing in any given moment. That's one of the things they, they showed in that, that Google, uh, in the initial Google yeah. video is like, yeah. let me share what I'm looking at right now with you. you yeah. And then yeah. We, we sort of, you, you see what I see literally. Uh -huh. um, and, and well, maybe not literally, because then there's, there's the whole idea of, of perceptual interpretation, right? Yeah, you may be able to see from someone's perspective, literally, like literally see the world from the same angle, yes. but are you interpreting it in the same way that they are? Of course not. No, no, of course not. But what, what gets really cool then is, as everyone is, is recording video of everything in real time uh -huh. and sound and such, you can, you can play back the experience of the world for yourself from mm -hmm. a different angle. For instance, maybe you're in a concert, right? and you're standing in a particular place mm -hmm. and you say, I'd rather see it from the front row. Wink! You know, and then you're, you're looking at it from the perspective of someone yeah, how does, up there. Yeah, how's that going to change the, the ticket structures at a concert? Right? I mean, you've immediately... What if you just put one guy... Well... Well, no, I mean, because if, it doesn't, because if it's an automatic sharing, you know, if that option exists... But maybe, so you're hearing it, maybe the, the sound distribution is the same for everybody, but the view is different. So maybe you're you're in there, you're in the concert, but all of a sudden, like, I want to see the perspective of the musician, and the musicians are wearing are wearing eyes, yeah. right? So all of a sudden, blink, and then you're hearing the concert, but it's like you're playing it to yourself. I, I, Whoa. I understand what you're saying. I'm... Yeah. I don't think that's going to be quite the thing because we're still in a, we're still in a visual well, or visual plus audio only. I, I think it gives the opportunity sensation for, here. Maybe, but but once it gets, I, I I think that that there will be an incredible creative stage that you go through, right? Of, of playing around with this medium mm -hmm. of perspective shift, like mm -hmm. that that maybe is is what what grows out of this technology. What what happened with the internet is social networking. Yeah. But social networking just gives us a means of communicating still pointedly at another person. And maybe seeing the sharing that yeah, they put up in there and everything, but it's still sort of a it's sort of a you know, you're you versus someone else uh, experience. What this what eyes gives us the opportunity to do is is put yourself in the in the shoes, in the eyes, in, in the head of another person, and see the world. In the there. eyes of another person. In the this eyes, is where I'm, I'm making a distinction. Head. But if you, but the types of, but it, once you start doing that, you see the manner, you you feel the mannerisms that a person goes through. You hear what they speak, right? You're you're at any moment knowing everything that somebody else is doing, the way that they breathe, the way what what they glance at, what they yes how they and no. well, because, themselves because move through the world. You still got you still got the issue of a screen, and and what I mean by that is, yeah, when there's a movie on the screen or anything on a screen, mm -hmm. you can choose to look at something different from what I'm choosing to look at. Right. And so with the eyes, with you know, which is what yeah. we're apparently now calling them. Let's just let's just um, go with that. Yeah. It's directionally based based on you know head or thing. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm I'm staring at you, my head's facing you, but I'm secretly looking over here with my eyes. Oh yeah, yeah. You can and still so glance over there. There's yeah. and so and so, but in the same way, someone who's looking at you through your perspective mm -hmm. can focus on that. other things yeah. than what you're focusing on, and may not be even just focusing on what's straight ahead. Maybe focusing on the periphery of the screen, mm -hmm. and whether or not that's matching what you're doing. And so, so here's when it gets interesting: is when that technology is consolidated into contacts, right? So that literally whichever direction your eyes are looking that's what's shared now that that may be that may get really odd though because yes. once you put a camera in there the human eyes do weird things I mean they're, yes. they're constantly moving around and creating the image that you perceive is different from what's literally in front of your eyes at any given moment yeah so that may get a little bit too chaotic or maybe we'll have mm -hmm. algorithms put together that 
can mimic the the sort of mm -hmm. perceptual constructive process well, that our I mean, brain does. At that point, does. if you're if you're experiencing someone else's point of view, mm -hmm. you've now lost. You're now forced to see all those different shifts and changes and things. You know, just in this conversation, you and I have been glancing around. I yeah, mean, that's just one of those things that happened. But that's not been conscious to us because our bodies have been taking care of it, and so we don't think about it. Yeah. When you do that, you're now forcing somebody to become very acutely aware of all of those changes um, in a way that, they, that their brain isn't pre prepared but, to but accept. Is, but is that a bad thing necessarily? I, mean, I don't know. It, it just, I think that's could, where I, I'm, I I'm expecting it, motion sickness is what I expect okay. to happen. But at, at the same your time, your brain is not having signals that match what your eyes are doing. Not a problem, though, because think about video games. One of, one of the, the first, like, realizations that I had that my, my dad could be fundamentally different from me in some way was when we uh, rented a um, boat racing game for the PlayStation. And when he played it, he said, oh, I can't play this, I'm getting motion sick. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't register with me that that was even possible. What happened is when I played the game, that frame mm -hmm. became my world. And everything outside of it just sort of didn't matter. So my, my brain, my brain put itself in. And, I, and, yeah. that's, and that's, I can understand that, but I'm... So I think in the same I'm in the same sense, about the putting yourself behind someone's eyes would also, you know, you may think, oh, initially I'm getting emotion sick or something, but there'll be maybe a generation that grows up that doesn't, that adapts to that and can can just Possibly. put themselves in somebody else's perspective. And when it gets when it gets interesting, we, we never really uh, fully fleshed it out. This you have cameras on everything, a newsworthy event happens in real time. Anyone anywhere mm -hmm. through the internet can experience that event from anyone's perspective who's there yeah. witnessing it. I'm gonna go ahead and sit down. So. Okay. You may join me if you so desire. Uh, yes, of course. So that that's when it that's when it gets really cool. And yeah. then and then think of it this way: maybe maybe we're we're thinking of it a little bit too literally. If you have that many perspectives on something, we, you know we know that the, the Google Street View uh, cars can do um, stereoscopic. We know that they do stereoscopic imaging and build a 3D world from those the stereoscopic scanning that they do. Uh -huh. Eyes built with two cameras <laughs> can do that same sort of stereoscopic uh, view of the world. So it's not just 3D. Mm -hmm. You're not just able to, to see and perceive the world in, in three dimensions through somebody else's eyes, but that's also making a real-time, three-dimensional representation of the world. Yeah. Picture this. Everybody everywhere has these going on all the time. Think of like Google Earth on steroids. You know, we've seen the the, uh, the advanced 3D mapping technology that apparently Apple mm -hmm. bought, right? That uh, that does these incredible 3D, basically does a 3D model of the Earth and of the world with you know building elevations, uh -huh. images of every side of them, not just top down, but interactable, three-dimensional browsing. Yeah. Think about that with the layer of what's actually happening on top of it. Mm -hmm. You know in real time rendering what the world is and being able to, to rotate around it, fly through it, experience it from a number of, yeah. not just a number of perspectives, but from sort of a meta perspective. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, actually I'm, I'm, I'm being the Luddite here, but yeah. I'm not sure. Wouldn't it? I don't know that, what the use is, but that well, would just be really, really yeah, cool. Yeah, I can see it being cool, and that's you know, enough of a reason for most people. Think of a broadcaster. Well, well the, then a broadcaster does what? They, they don't. It's not just about bringing you the event, period. It's about bringing you a certain experience of the event. And it's already about it's that. It's editorializing. Yeah, it's editorializing, but on a grand scale. Mm -hmm. Think of you know each person being able to, in real time, remix the raw flow of... of um, I don't know even, we don't even have terms for what that would be, you know, this sort of real-time 3D construction of what's happening at a sporting event based on the perceptions I mean, of everyone in the really stadium. really getting to a, a... So you're in I mean, real-time, It's almost a singularity-esque. Almost. Um, and I, think, well, I mean, if you, if you look, um, I don't know if you know Rudy Rucker. I think it's going to hit us way sooner than we realize, um, he, wrote, he wrote a couple it's books. creeping up on us. Um, one of which was called Post-Singular. Mm -hmm. um, and this was very very much with with a few other editions that was his post singular world really um, it was not a a it was not a transmitting of your 
consciousness into machines, but it was um, a literal covering of the earth with self-aware nanomachines, for wow. lack of a better term, that you could then tap into um, and become aware of anything and everything, and also you know use computing processes and use the earth as a computer and and all those sorts of. But one of the biggest things was that you know reality TV became everyone and there were there were stars it became reality on, I mean yeah I mean, well yeah and you yeah. know some of, the, some of the main characters were, were hits of you know these celebrities on this reality TV show that people just tuned into by tuning into and so there was adver the way they made money was advertising you know drinking a certain product or whatever yeah, you got paid yeah. for it and things like that um, but through that I mean that, and that's I mean that's what this was reminding me of is that sort of thing sure. without necessarily the I mean you could you could plug into the, the big brain and stuff and and think through it and, and do full perception rather than just this visual perception, which is what the glasses are limiting us to video are, and perhaps but, audio. But, but. And, and I'm more interested kind of in that, that immediate, like what we can see from the technologies that are, that are uh -huh. existing. I mean, this really, all the elements are there to make something like that happen. Mm -hmm. Big compute power because we're having, we're putting data centers on huge computing processors ability, right, yeah. in order to do these massive real-time processing of all these queries and information. Um, extremely fast data networks to connect it all and mm -hmm. make, you know, make for high bandwidth, high quality sharing of this perceptual and auditory information between everyone. Yeah. And, you know, a distributed wireless data network to make that happen as well. All those elements are starting to come into place. Like the, the pieces are starting mm -hmm. to, are start, the board pieces are starting to come in there. And it's putting them together into those into those new conceptualizations of that technology. That's going to get really interesting. The problem is buy-in, I think, still, because you know the, the the technologies were sort of there at the beginning of this decade. You know, kind ten, of. ten yeah. years ago, you know, you had the internet, you had the ability for sharing everything, you had the internet, mm -hmm. but you didn't have the really creative stuff going on that we, you know, somebody had to come up and really had to make YouTube, you know, to really, oh, gotcha, oh, we can use it for sharing video, yeah. oh, yeah, well, so, you know, somebody had to, you know, the social network, somebody has to make of, it easy, somebody has to make it easy, somebody has to give you a reason to want to buy into it, mm -hmm. and I think that's what's going to push it forward, right, is you have eyes, right, you have them ostensibly, right, to just make it easier to do the things you already do, yeah, I can take, like, what it's doing now is relating to process where you are familiar, taking and sharing photos. Photos, mm -hmm. taking and sharing video but when it gets interesting is remixing those processes into something that we've never seen before yeah and I, I really I'm for some reason I'm latching on to this I sort of I can tell <laughs> multi-perception yes. you know and uh, and what the, the possibility that gives us for vicariousness mm -hmm. you know we already we already have this this uh, affinity and, and almost lust for an addiction to vicariousness through sure. social networking. Uh, yeah. Through, you know, all right, through Facebook, I can see other possible lives mm -hmm. that I could have lived and see the results of them. That's, that's a bit of a stretch, but okay. In, in a way, in a, that's, I yeah. really think that's one of the big psychological draws of Facebook is look at all these other people having... Um, having really interesting lives, I want to have an interesting life too. So here's the life that I put out there that I that I think is, you know, worthy of sharing. Right? Curated life. But the problem is nobody on there is actually sharing what's actually happening. Right here. You know, in no way am I am I. I'm not constantly sharing. Hey, I'm walking. Hey, I'm eating. You know, all the mundane stuff just sort yeah. of falls away. And it looks like everyone is having these hyper interesting experiences all the time, right? It's curated life. Yeah. Right. It's curated life. We're picking out the highlights and such. When it gets interesting is, is really when you start to, to share everything, even the mundane stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, reality TV ostensibly is, is supposed to do that, but when you really are sharing all of that, it gives you that possibility. What, what is entertainment for? Entertainment is a way for us to to think about other possible lives lived, other possible... Um, holds the mirror up to reality. It holds the mirror up to reality. It's like, this is what... This is another way that things can be. Or this is how things are possibly, right? What, what these distributed technologies allow us to do mm -hmm. is almost construct the life that we want out of the lives of everyone else. When it, when it gets interesting, though, is when people stop living um, 
that it's almost like you you have a certain number of people that would be almost like cedars and leechers, right? I'm yeah. thinking of a torrent analogy, yeah. right? So here's one direction it can go is it's still recording, all right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's one direction it can go is you have sort of the livers and the uh, perceivers. So you have a certain number of people who are, are actually living and creating interesting mm -hmm. experiences, and then a number of people who are just purely consuming experiences. That's that's not new either. No, that's kind of how we have it now, but in a primitive well, that's, sense. I mean, that's well, that's how it's always been. I mean, in in a certain way, and I think I think we have seen more so. I think we've seen a democratization of that than there used to be. Oh yeah. I mean, you look you look at the it entertainment industry. Hyper democratization of it. Oh yeah, and so and so I think it's interesting though that. It creates you know, we talk about dynamic, how, yeah. how this is the first time in forever that anybody can be a YouTube star or anybody anybody can right. be a celebrity based on just word of mouth going viral, what have you. Mm. And with that, and I, I think that's true to a certain extent, um, and so that possibility exists, but we still fall into perceivers and creators or, or seeders and leechers. And is it a false dichotomy, though? I mean, yes. Because I, I, I am both. Yes. You know, and at any particular moment, I can be either, but I can also be both or mm -hmm. neither. Um, I can, I can choose just to not participate, mm -hmm. like not to consume or not to create. I can choose to do both simultaneously. Uh huh. Or do something that's yeah. not. Deconstruction either. teaches you everything. Everything's a false dichotomy. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Still working on that. Still working on that. Um, but I think it really gets taken to an extreme when you when you sort of play with uh, with sharing and perception in the way that the eyes could, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the old phrase, you know, the eyes are the window of the soul or whatever, and it, it's. We, we think of, you know, what comes in, the information yeah. and the and perspective itself, because we're so involved in it, we want to know what it's like to see from, from another way. Mm -hmm. Maybe other people want to know what it's like to, to, to be in our shoes. And another thing post Russell kind of talks about is this, the construction of the individual yes. is a construction of language. Does this sort of hyper-sharing future change the perception of identity. Peter F. Hamilton plays around with it a little bit in, I in, think, in, his, in his works, but... Well, I think it would have to, I mean, yeah. in, in, that, in that same way. And I think, I think identity, I think now, right now, is much easier to see the construction of identity. Mm -hmm. Particularly through Facebook. It is, because yeah. of things like Facebook, YouTube, yeah. and, and Twitter, it is much easier to see the construction of identity mm -hmm. Now, than, than it has been previously, before. and and that's um, well, and that's through my perception of the past rather than what actually was happening there, um, be, because we have we we have very clearly created multiple constructed identities, mm -hmm. intentionally created constructed identities. My Facebook profile, uh, my YouTube profile, the three mm -hmm. other Twitter accounts I have, yeah, um, all of those are constructed identities and as you know if I'm on a form under one name or a different form on another name those if somebody's on both those forms they don't have any reason to know I'm the same person right those are two, right. Cons two separate identities mm -hmm. and that's happening all the time because you're, you're reconstructing through language through actions through um, imagery and symbols which is, all that, and which is all that identity is yeah, yeah identity is those things it is not a, a fixed set of anything um, and so yeah so and so I think Will it become possible to be even more aware of the constructions through something like this? Maybe. Definitely. Would, would it also give folks a chance to just sort of check out and never create identity or just simply completely... You can't, you can't not create identity. I, I imagine, you know, have you read Ready Player One? Yeah. You know, so the, the idea of sitting in a chair and just living completely vicariously through another character is totally okay. possible. Sure. All of the... All of the Tactile and visual and, uh -huh. uh, and auditory inputs completely coming from someone else. Sure. And just to completely and totally live inside of someone else. How you experience that is different than. But how you, yeah, maybe how you experience and process those inputs is still unique. Yeah. Um, when we cross the thought barrier, that's when it gets interesting. That, yeah. That's what. 
that's one of the things that Peter F. Hamilton explores, and I, I'm not sure we'll quite get there in our lifetimes to be able to I don't think truly, so. you know, broadcast and share thoughts and feelings. I don't think so. Emotions. I mean, I mean, look at the diff the, the time between the photograph and film. And that's that's just visual, right? And and sure, we've got magic light boxes now that we hold in our hands that do all of that all together. And so, is there a progression only if you believe in linear time? Um, but futures here is just not evenly distributed, right? Well, what is future? What is past? Oh, um, there, there is no there is no periodization of history. Um, <laughs> And there is no progress. Um, but with all of that, um, so the I'm trying to log into our form spring account. Uh, okay. Um, I don't even. I don't think there's even the. We we don't know how to make a painting of a thought. If that makes sense. Right. So if, if we were going painting, photograph, video, eyes, mm -hmm. or film, and then video, but we don't know how to make a painting of a thought. Yeah, like representing it in some in some other way. Well, we kind of do. I mean, we we paint thoughts with language. We paint thoughts with paintings. Well, no, we, we yes, but yeah. those are all. Abstractions. I can't. True. I can't. I can make a picture of a tree. You can't take a picture of a thought. Well, some people say you could with the fMRIs, but. Uh, <laughs> how do you read that? Yeah. Yeah. How do, then, how do I interpret a picture that that fMRI? And that's all it is, is interpretation. But in a way, we are My always. My falling asleep, so I'm going to stand up. Okay. Well, we're close to. Uh... Actually, my foot's numb. That's weird. Okay. Um, <laughs> Not asleep, but just like I can't straight up feel it. Uh oh. Yeah, give it a second. It'll, yeah, it'll wake up. Yeah. Well, maybe we've gone as far as we can on identity construction and multiple perception, but I don't think so. Not at <laughs> all in all what I intended from the beginning. But no, that's okay. So a little bit of a form squeeze here before we uh, before we wrap things up. Um, get just a few new ones. We should always do the form screen question, question of the day, of the right? Day, yeah. Do you like movie sequels? Yes. Yeah. Usually, I mean, not necessarily. They don't, not, it's, not uh, a, it's not a guaranteed success. Yes. But usually, possibly depends. Godfather Two is great. Yeah. Men in Black Two, not so much. Men in Black Three. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But I have, I have high hopes. Um, um, yeah, I mean, you know, everything is a remix, right? So. Sequels are just a more explicit remix of, of the previous concept, and they can be good, for mm -hmm. sure. For sure. It, it, they're certainly not inherently bad. No. Um. Kind of a question is that, who doesn't, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I just feel compelled to ask, which movie sequels? Yeah. <laughs> um, here's another one. Is suppressing guilt morally wrong or necessary? Suppressing guilt morally wrong. That's that's a personal question. Definitely. Um, well, it's like so you do. Well, because morals are personal. Right. Well, uh, but that's interesting. Morals so you're, are a personal construction. You're more well, relativist. Person. What? You're more relativist then. It's a construction. Ah, uh, right. right. <laughs> well, but they're all constructions. Yeah. Um, so suppressing, you know, I, I don't, I don't think. So this is like, so you did something that you, theoretically you should feel bad about, but right. not feeling bad about it. Uh -huh. um, well, if you think you should feel bad about it, you obviously do feel bad about it. Otherwise, you wouldn't think you should. And if you suppress it, it's almost like you, you're not guilty about it anymore. Well, no, the, the act of suppressing it is, in fact. Accepting it as something to be guilty of. Right. We right. don't suppress things we don't think we're guilty of. Okay. Um, so, so to get a little into Derrida, the act of it is is what creates the guilt. Mm. The act of suppressing it makes it something that you are guilty of. So, ascribing moral wrongness to that action is is creating a moral set of guidelines. Yeah. So, in a, in a sense. I mean, God, it's, uh, I, I don't know if, uh, and, and the necessary part of it is just jumping out at me, like, 
Is it morally wrong or necessary? Like, is it necessary to suppress guilt? Necessary according, you know, necessary to survive in the world, necessary to make it through. We're thinking of necessity in one. There, there are two times, yeah, two types of necessity. Are, yeah. There's, there's logical necessity, mm-hmm. and then there's um, goal necessity. I think is, uh, is the other one. So, like, for instance, um, I, my goal is to walk over to that car. So, in order to walk over to that car, I it is necessary for me to pick up a foot, put it pick down. up my foot, and put it down. Yeah. Something really simple. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's that's like goal-oriented, practical necessity. Sure. But there's also, and it, it kind of ties in with logical necessity too. I can't. Well, no, no, no. Let's see. Yeah. And again, I say not necessarily. <laughs> uh, stupid language <laughs> limiting me. But um, for instance, like. You, the statement, um, if not for me picking up my foot, I could not make it to the car. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the idea of, of you know necessary conditions and sufficient yeah. conditions. I'm missing the other type of necessary. That's though. okay. Um, I don't know. It's, it's it's almost this idea of necessity in the sense of it must be this way and cannot be else be another way, right? Yeah. And the must and the should are, are weird Well, and, and ideas well, going with too, that but, idea, as, as I briefly understand it through what you've said, yeah. then yes, because if, it's it's, necessary? if the, well, the suppression yes. of guilt creating the guilt, um, you're not, if you're not suppressing it, you're not guilty of it, you don't feel guilty of it, so you don't suppress it. Right. Um, so that suppression is what creates it, then yes, it is necessary to have guilt. <laughs> If that follows, um, I don't know. Well, Not necessarily. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See, we can't, we're just going yeah. in circles. But because well, if 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 you don't feel guilty for something, there's nothing to repress. Right. Or suppress. Um, and so the act of suppressing it affirms that you feel guilty of it. Hmm. If that make, if, if, if that's, that's where I'm starting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so, it's, so that, it's, it's one of those self-reinforced, one of them that are self-reinforcing emotions. Yeah. So, I mean, well, it's, it's, yeah. it's created through the act of suppression. Yeah. And so, for guilt to exist, it is necessary for suppression to occur. Right. Which may not be the necessary they wanted. <laughs> but yes and no. Well, yes and no. I don't know. Thanks for asking. Hope that helps. Hope that helps. Yeah. I think that'll be my answer. Yes and no. We don't know. Thanks for asking. Hope that helps. So, cool. Good show. Um, yeah. I mean. Uh, if you, we'll probably put a link in the show notes both to the picture that we saw earlier and to those photos taken with the, the Google Glasses. Yeah. I think there's a collection somewhere of just all photos posted to Google Plus from the Google okay. Glasses. Um, somebody has collected them all. Cool. And, uh, you know, feel free to give your thoughts and opinions on our, our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash badphilosophy, and uh, of course, twitter.com slash badphilosophy. And uh, we hope that uh, we'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy. BadPhilosophy.com Ta-da!